In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I beg your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In this first Sunday of Lent, the Church contemplates a very mysterious scene in our Lord's life. At the beginning of his public ministry, after he was baptized by John, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, drives him into the wilderness, into the desert. And as St. Mark puts it, this in the, the cycle of readings that we will read in the Mass for the first Sunday of Lent, there he was for 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. It's a very short account of the temptations of our Lord. Unlike the other accounts by St. Matthew and St. Luke, who give us more detail as to what those temptations actually were. But the fact that our Lord wanted to be tempted says so much to us. It gives us hours and hours of meditation to contemplate a God who wants to feel the tug of, of temptation. He wants to actually feel our weakness to the point that he even allows Satan out of all creatures to tempt him. What an amazing manifestation of humility. It's not that our Lord is weak. It's that our Lord, being all-powerful, wants to be like us in all things but sin. And he knows that we need an example of how to overcome temptation. And in his humility, he provides that example. We have to really be thankful to our Lord, because he did not have to go through this. He went through it because he loves us. It's for our sake that he goes through temptations. Lord, we want to look to you today as we begin this first week of Lent so that we can learn how to say yes to our Father God and say no to the devil, to renounce Satan, to be able to say with you, go away, Satan, go away, whenever we face temptation. One of the things that we can notice from the temptations that Jesus went through 
from St. Matthew or St. Luke is that they are there to, they are there set as traps, not so much to have him transform the rocks into bread or to throw himself and you know, from the pinnacle of the temple or to possess all things that the devil shows him. As much as to be a trap for him denying the Father. If you notice, they all have the form of if you are the Son of God, turn these rocks into bread. If you are the Son of God, do this. If you are the Son of God, do that. They are traps to help or to have him deny his sonship, his divine sonship, which is at the core of his very person. He is the Son of God. That is the, the, the essence of his identity. And the devil knows that. And he attacks in many ways so as to get him to deny that he is the Son of God or to try to prove it to, to the devil that, that he is, and in so doing, denying the Father. Well, how does Jesus respond? We can imagine that in those three temptations, he, he could have also responded, in essence, in the way he responded to the, the great temptation that he suffered at Gethsemane to run away from his mission of dying on the cross with these words, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. In essence, this is what he is doing at any temptation. That's the way he overcomes any and all temptation, by affirming his divine affiliation. Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And that is actually the way we, the children of God, will also overcome all obstacles with our Lord by taking recourse of our divine filiation, by deepening in the understanding of this great truth that we have received in baptism, this reality. Not just, you know, we're not just called children of God, we are children of God, as St. John says in his letter. Temptations for us are very dangerous sometimes because... We, we certainly are weak, and we are not only weak, we have a history of denying our Lord through sin. Every day we sin. The, the just man falls seven times a day. We're so frail. We carry this great treasure of our divine filiation in vessels of clay, as St. Paul would say. We, we break. We're so brittle, so to speak. But our Lord has given us graces so that we can overcome in this struggle and we can come out winning a lot more graces when we struggle because our weakness is perfected in virtue, in, in that struggle. Our weakness is made perfect with, with our struggle against temptation. If we're not tested, then we can't really grow. And our Lord allows temptation so that we can come out all the stronger. If you recall those words that are so inspiring for us 
that St. Paul said to the Romans, where sin abound, grace abound all the more. It overabound. So we have all the grace we need to overcome all the temptations we go through. Today, we want to focus on, let us propose, three aspects of temptation that we should know about in order to be able to overcome them swiftly and with with great with great strength what are those what are three things maybe not the only three things but let's just point out three today in our meditation that can help us really in our struggle against the devil and other temptations that we may run across the first one is that temptations are tailor-made for us they are made to fit each one of us individually. Why is that so important? Why is it so important to know that every temptation has our name and our last name? It's, it's tailor-made. It has a, a unique ID, so to speak. And Why? Because the devil... He's a keen observer, and he knows where we stumble and where we are weak. Not because he knows us on the inside. He cannot know anything that we don't reveal to him, and we don't want to reveal anything to him. But he is an angelic form, and he's a keen observer. And he, when he sets himself you know, at the task, he can get a lot of, you know, quote-unquote metadata from us. You know, he can observe us where we go, what we do, and when we, when we have nothing to do, when we're idle, and so on. And, and therefore, he tailors a temptation, and he advertises a temptation in, a, in such a way that in his opinion, it is likely we may bite. It's kind of like what Google does with advertisements. You know, Google sees what we're talking about in our emails, and they kind of tailor their advertisements on what we're talking about, so that, you know, it's likely that, hey, you know, if we're talking about shoes, that, you know, if we see an advertisement on the side... That we are, you know, if we need shoes, we'll actually, you know, it's very convenient to actually buy shoes right there, online. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Google is, you know, has diabolic practices or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But the devil and advertisers, they're, they're not stupid. They really observe our habits, okay? And they tailor their pitch, their sales pitch, so that we can actually buy whatever it is that they want to sell. And, you know, if it's a good thing that they're selling, then it's a good thing. But it, the devil is not selling a good thing. He's selling evil, sin. He wants us to sin. He wants us to deny that which we value most, or we ought to value most, our divine filiation. Why should we know this? Or what, how can we benefit from this fact 
that all temptations are tailor-made for us? Well, because since the devil knows who we are and knows us so well, so to speak, and we, on the other hand, have such difficulty getting to know ourselves, because, you know, to get to know ourselves, it's like looking at the... Um, it's so hard to look at the tip of your nose, unless you have a mirror, you know, or to scratch the, the part of the back where you can't reach. You know, it's so hard to do it without somebody helping you or, or a tool or something like that. It's, it's so hard for us to look at ourselves and understand ourselves entirely without, without help because we are limited in, in the way we can actually uh, judge about ourselves, right? because of our vanity, because of our pride. There's a distortion factor there. It's, it's just so difficult. But the good news is that with our temptations, if we know our temptations, we actually get to know ourselves using the angelic knowledge of the devil. So the bottom line is we can boomerang those temptations to make them work for us so that we can get to know ourselves. Since, you know, given that they are tailor-made for us, if we analyze what our temptations are in our prayer, we actually gain in self-knowledge. We actually gain in self-knowledge. That's, that's so important. We can actually use those temptations for our own benefit, for our own good, for our own spiritual progress. Temptation is not the same thing as sin. Sin is when we give in to the temptation, but when we give full consent, or partial consent, depending on what it is. But, you know, temptation is neither good nor bad. Whether it's good or bad it depends on what we do with it. And if we gain self-knowledge from our temptations, then we can actually benefit from them. That's why it's so useful to go to confession. And yes, we have to talk about our sins, in, and we have to confess our sins, be sorry for them, in confession. And as we know, in number and kind, at least all the mortal sins, that we're obliged to do. And then venial sins, you know, as many as we can remember, and we can package them more or less, because it's impossible to remember all venial sins. But, but also, after, you know, we mention all our sins, it would be very interesting to mention to the priest in spiritual direction what our temptations are because that way they can get to know us and they can give us sound advice as to how to overcome them and how to you know uh, how to get to know ourselves better so that we can actually improve you know this could be in confession it could be outside of confession or it could be you know to to a priest, or it could be to a layman who, or a laywoman who is there as your spiritual guide. You know that person who knows you well. It could be a parent, it could be a mentor, it could be you know whoever really desires your spiritual good and can help you and has experience. It's very good, and and if we live sincerity about our temptations, then we we will we will defeat the devil at his own trick. That's amazing. That's amazing. What what uh, what a grace to be able to to do that. There's nothing shameful about that. 
In fact, we have to be very thankful to God that we have overcome a temptation, and we shouldn't be ashamed of having any temptation, although speaking about them could be sometimes, well, difficult, as we know. I mean, think of, um, I don't know, think of things of, um, of vanity. You know, you, you know, let's say you're tempted to look in the mirror, or you're, you know, and, um, well, that could be very embarrassing to to reveal that. Or temptations of envy, comparisons with others, or um, or pride. You know, we are hurt because we weren't chosen for a particular task or someone who has less seniority than we do at work was chosen or was given an award and we weren't, you know, and we were slighted and we were looked over. And, well, if we are tempted in that way, this can be very embarrassing just to admit that. But speaking about it will actually give us um, a lot of grace. We have a lot of grace so that we can grow in humility, we can grow in piety. It could be very embarrassing to talk about uh, somebody we're attracted to at work or at school or or wherever, you know, and you know, and we can even say at our age, how could we be attracted to to those to those base things, you know, let's say of purity or things like that. We gotta talk about them. We gotta talk about them. And then when we do talk about them, it's liberating. We shouldn't be surprised at anything. You know, St. Jose Maria says these words that are so consoling, that are kind of, um, they help us to, to not be surprised, you know. Even if we are, regardless of the position we hold in the church or in the world or in the company or in the government or wherever, it doesn't matter. My child, your desires for sanctity will be opposed first by laziness the first front on which you must fight. Then rebelliousness, the refusal to shoulder Christ's sweet yoke, and a mad longing not for freedom but for license, and sensuality. And at all times, and more surreptitiously as the years go by, pride. Well, think about that. Pride really hides itself. It doesn't like to show its, its ugly face. So, the first weapon we have from our Lord is knowledge of ourselves, and we can get knowledge of who we are for our own spiritual benefit from the temptations that we suffer, because they are tailor-made for us. We want to thank you, Lord, because you give us so many opportunities to improve even those things that seem bad can actually be turned for the better. What is another way? This second way, or this second aspect of temptation that we should know so that we can overcome. And that is this. Temptations never appear in their ugliness. Temptations never appear in their ugliness. They always appear attractive. So we should know that. And when we are tempted, we should know, as St. Paul says, Satan dresses up, he presents himself, he manifests himself as an angel of light. You know, it's, it's, it really is a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's why medievals, when they represented in a symbolic way, they represented temptation or sin, 
in in, in art, they they would depict the reality of sin as a as a mermaid. Why as a mermaid? Because a mermaid is half a woman and half a fish, and the mermaid looks like a beautiful woman. Half of the mermaid looks like a beautiful woman, but when taken as a whole, it is a deceptive, fish-like, ugly creature. And that's what happens, you know, the devil. Whenever he tempts us, he actually hypnotizes us, which is kind of like a, like a, like a trick to help us focus. He says, you know, he helps us to focus only on one part and to focus on that part that is attractive, but not look at the whole. He kind of blinds us to the whole and has us confuse the part for the whole. And we think we're, we're actually choosing the whole, but we're not. We're actually just choosing a, a nice-looking part but we are mistaking the part for the whole. He wants us to concentrate and to focus only on that one attractive aspect. Think of, I don't know, think of any sin, really. Um, you know, think of adultery. You know? nobody, nobody chooses adultery for the evil that it brings. It destroys families. Nobody wants that. They choose adultery for the pleasure and for the company or whatever, but it's an aspect, but not, they don't want the whole, but if they, once they fall for it and they look at the whole, they are, people are sorry for that. Or abortion in, in its whole, it's murder. It's murder. It's terrible. But the part that the devil wants us to focus on is that this will be a solution to to peer pressure that is immediate and seemingly insurmountable. It never is really, but but that's what the devil actually, you know, and that's what people will tell us. You know, you 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 have to do this, and no, we have to actually. Whenever we're tempted, we have to know that temptations never appear in their entire ugliness. For that, we need to step back and we need to increase the amount of time in between the temptation and our actual choice. If we do that, then we have time to think. We have time to turn on rationality. That's very important because then we can actually calmly decipher the trick that of the devil and we can see what the whole is and what the part is and not and not mistake the one for the other. If you look at the Bible, you'll see that the devil will entice us first with, with pleasure, you know, then with fear, and then with pride. Look at what happened with Judas. Judas Judas's betrayal did not happen all at once. You know, he was not, you know, he was not a fervent apostle. And then all of a sudden he 
he betrayed our Lord. Things don't happen that way. Love doesn't happen that way. You know, uh, love or hatred or betrayal actually um, are more resilient. You know, on the good side and on the bad side. So the devil knows that, and so the devil will first attack the the little you know the little pleasure that you get from from money. That's what happened to Judas. You know, he didn't live poverty. Saint John says, you know, he stole from them from the purse that they carried. First, the devil tempts you. Well, take a little bit, take a dollar, take this, thing, you know, a little Starbucks coffee that nobody, that the apostles didn't uh, really know about, and he treated himself to that and a little this and a little that, and then, and then it grows and grows and grows, and then when they offer him right in front of him, like really, like. Uh, like a hypnotist's chain, you know, back and forth, 30 pieces of silver, if you betray our, you know, Jesus, he couldn't say no, because he was so hypnotized by that silver. And he was easily, he easily gave in. And then he realized what he had done, because he considered the whole, and it was, you know, he then despaired, which was even worse. But that's what happens. I mean, and, and if you look at um, at Peter, same thing. He runs away, this time of fear. He doesn't want to go to the cross. He has a long history of running away from every, anything that is painful. You know, he tells our Lord, far be it from you to go to the cross. And he earns the, the, uh, the rebuke, get behind me, Satan. That's, that was a temptation for our Lord right there. You know, and Peter didn't understand. And then, you know, he loves the pleasure of being up at Tabor. We want to build three tents here, Lord, let's stay here forever. It's all beautiful, it's all good. No, Peter, that's not what it's about. And then he, he thinks he's overconfident. You know, he thinks that he can actually save our Lord. He is going to save our Lord from, he's going to redeem our Lord, so to speak. He's our Lord's Savior by, with his two swords. And no. He, he will actually run away. And now because he's fearful of actually being crucified himself. So, Peter was a man who was tempted by fear. And just because there's fear, we cannot give into it. We have to know that. That we have to take time to think and decipher those temptations, whether to pleasure or to fear. Because then pride comes in, takes over, and and then we we commit like you know the greatest sins, like David. You know, first he saw Bathsheba, then he committed murder because he was fearful of of uh, people knowing the truth, and then he lied to himself. He said everything was fine, which was total pride. The devil knows that this is a progression and so he will he will never present to us the ultimate temptation of despair of lack of hope in its total ugliness at least at first he will lead us up or down a slippery slope so to speak that's why in order to overcome this we have to take a step back and actually fool ourselves. Tell self, you know, tell 
talk to yourself like self and you know yeah that's interesting interesting temptation but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna decide on it now i'm actually gonna take some time and um and 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 decide later and we have to be like what aristotle said we have to be diplomatic or political with our passions you know when we are tempted we cannot be like a tyrant because then the passions will rebel and we will lose and we cannot be like anarchists who let passions do whatever they want. We have to be kind of diplomats. You know, that, oh, that's interesting, you know, passion. Um, you know, I'll take that input when I make my decision. And then wait, wait, delay, delay the decision, delay the decision. It'll go away. And you'll be able to think more clearly. Ask your guardian angel for help. That's what St. Maria suggests. Go to your guardian angel. He will help you. He will help you with those good thoughts. He will help you consider the whole, and not focus on the part. We want to ask our Lord for the grace to overcome at all times, and, and we know that he never tempts us beyond our strength. He says to St. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And this he says to St. Paul when St. When Paul was was tempted with the sting of the flesh, whatever that meant. We don't know if it was a sin of, or a temptation of purity or something else, but Paul was tired. And no, our Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. You can overcome anything because I will not tempt you beyond your strength. So you, you can do it. And you can, we can always overcome any temptation. What's the third aspect of temptation that we need to know about. The third is this, that whatever gets a child dirty, gets an adult dirty. And we shouldn't dialogue, therefore, with temptation. The best way to overcome temptation is to run away. As Don Quixote said, and St. Rosemary used to like to quote him, he who flees most cowardly conquers most bravely. Don't be such a, a coward as to stay, you know, with the temptation, with the devil. Get out of there. Get out of there. Flee. Be brave and flee. You know, he who flees most cowardly conquers most bravely. That's what we want to do. You know, and we, 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 we look at Eve, Adam and Eve. What were they thinking? I mean, Eve is approached by the serpent and... You know, the serpent asks her a question, and she falls for it. She enters into the dialogue. Eve, why did you dialogue? Why didn't you run away? And Adam, why didn't you defend your wife? Why didn't you tell her to stop talking to the devil? I suppose uh, life would be different. Oh, Felix Kupa, we could say. But um, life would have been a lot easier. Anyway, oh, Felix Kupa, we say with the church. But look at St. Josemaria. He had, he had a, a point in his life when he was running away from uh, the, the, the communist regime and the civil war in Spain in the 1930s who were killing a lot of priests and bishops and religious and laity just for being Catholic. And at some point, while well, he was in hiding, you know, with kind of an uncertain situation somebody one of his spiritual children gives him a key to an to a house or apartment 
which was like a safe house where you could be there and nobody would bother him. Very unlikely that any militia um, men would actually conduct a a uh, search. And so he was very happy to have received this key, but he asked this son of his, but who is the, you know, what if, what if the phone rings or somebody comes to the door? What should I do? And it's like, oh, don't worry, father. There's a young lady there who will, who lives there and who I will take care of everything. And she's trustworthy, so don't worry about it. And Maria looked at this son of his and said, Joseph, do you understand that I'm a priest and that my nerves are broken down and that I would be living 24-7 with a woman? Are you out of your mind? And he said, I would rather die a martyr than, than tempt myself with, with this woman, than you know, lose my, my purity. And he said, you see this key? And he threw it in, in the sewer. That's, what he, he, that's how he overcame temptation. He threw it away. He got rid of it immediately. No dialogue. It's throw it in the sewer. I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's what we got to do to overcome temptation. Just simply not dialogue and flee. There's a Spanish expression which seems to me I like to use often, which was, um, it's called a la torera, which means it's kind of like the, it's what the bullfighter does when the bull is coming, charging. You know, we could think of the devil as the bull that is charging us. And he said, we have to overcome things like that a la torera, you know, kind of just elegantly um, putting our red cape and saying, ole, ole, and let the, let the bull go by without us getting hurt in an elegant way, just with, with, with great kind of, um, you know, spiritual elegance, say no, no to the devil. That's why we have to not desire not desire temptation. You know, if it comes, we coexist with it. We can coexist with it until it goes away, until we have time to think. But the one thing we cannot do is desire to bring it on. You know, because sometimes we could, we could say, you know, I don't want to give in to temptation. I just want the spark. I just want to feel the spark. Well, that's already giving in. That, that can't be. That cannot be. Lord, help me to run away. Help me to say no. Help me not to dialogue. And then temptation will actually benefit me. And look at the great benefit that the temptations of Jesus has actually brought about. Temptation, actually, when we go through it and we overcome with the grace of God, because we need grace, temptation will make us more understanding with others, more humble, more approachable, more charitable. Wow more merciful. That's what we need to do. Let us turn to Mary as we finish our prayer today. She was, I suppose, tempted as well. If her son was tempted and he's perfect God and perfect man, we don't know if she was tempted. There's no revelation on it. But we can assume that if he was tempted, that she could have been tempted and maybe she was. That it would not have, it would not have, um, been something that is against faith to think that Mary was tempted. But we know that she is sinless, and that therefore, if she was tempted, she always overcame her temptation. 
Why was she able to overcome her temptation? Because she was always contemplating. She had her mind and heart turned on, turned towards our Lord. And that way, being vigilant, the devil was not able to get to her. That's what we want to do. Keep this constant presence of God, this constant vigilance, so that the devil can never get to us. And she will grant us that grace if we turn to her with humility. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.